I measure every grief I meet with analytic eyes. I wonder if it weighs like mine or has an easier size." End quote. That is the first stanza of one of my favorite Emily Dickinson poems. And for me, like a big part of the draw to poetry is like that moment of recognition, that moment of that sense of like shared experience that you have with the poet across time and across space. And I get that in this opening line. I measure every grief I meet with analytic eye. And in addition to the fact that I feel like that idea resonates, this idea of analyzing the griefs and the pains that we encounter in life. There's a sense in which we know it's true for Emily Dickinson because she so exemplifies that in her poetry. Emily Dickinson is like the master excavator of human experience, of inner experience. She's like the master artist when it comes to describing, capturing interiority. Her metaphors, her language for describing emotions have become so commonplace. They're so well known. They're so memorable that they've become like cliches. Like it's, it's almost embarrassing uh, to, to quote, um, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Or I felt a funeral in my brain and mourners to and fro kept treading, treading till it seemed that sense was breaking through. But at the same time, these are descriptions that I find really powerful at capturing these feelings like the anxious hope or the intrusive, anxious thoughts that might disturb my sleep at night. Specifically, when it comes to pain, the experience of pain, Emily Dickinson returns to that experience a lot in her poetry. And she has described that experience in many varied and powerful ways in her poetry. So just some examples. Quote, the heart asks pleasure first, and then excuse from pain. And then those little anodynes that deaden suffering. And then to go to sleep. And then if it should be the will of its inquisitor, the liberty to die. And I think that last line of this poem hits with super powerful effect by the way she breaks the rhyme scheme. I think it's always really important to pay attention to not just the way Emily Dickinson rhymes words, but when she chooses to break away from the rhyme scheme, whether it be for emphasis or for sort of introducing external layered kind of voices into a poem. But in this particular case, I think that's a really powerful effect. Another poem, quote, pain expands the time, ages coil within, the minute circumference of a single brain. Pain contracts the time, occupied with shot, gamuts of eternities are as they were not. End quote. And what this poem has, which we find in a lot of Emily Dickinson's, Dickinson's poem, poetry, 
is a playing with size, expansion and contraction. She says gamuts of eternity. She's really interested in this interplay between the finite and the infinite and juxtaposing these things. So now we're going to continue in the original poem, the first poem, which I'm interested in reading before I interjected some other poems into there, but the poem of I measure every grief I meet. And we read the first stanza so far. And now we're going to read the second stanza of this poem. And in this stanza, we start getting Emily Dickinson's like dimensions of grief, dimensions of pain, the different ways that she's found of differentiating and describing a person's pain. This is her analytic eyes in practice, documenting, formulating the different varieties of grief that she observes in the world. Quote, I wonder if they bore it long or did it just begin? I could not tell the date of mine. It feels so old a pain. End quote. And that interjection of that voice, I could not tell the date of mine. Like the rhyme scheme falters and it's like the poetic voice falters in a way. There's like a, there's a weight to that experience, which intrudes into the structure of the poem, it seems to me. Quote, she continues, I wonder if it hurts to live and if they have to try and whether could they choose between, it would not be to die. I note that some gone patient long at length renew their smile in imitation of the light that has so little oil. I wonder if when years have piled some thousands on the harm that hurt them early, such a lapse could give them any balm. Or would they go on aching still through centuries of nerve enlightened to a larger pain in contrast with the love? End quote. So that's not the end of the poem yet, but those two last lines are dealing with like such a fundamental question when it comes to pain, when it comes to grief. It's a question that I think about when I experience or more commonly observe other people in pain and in grief. And it's a question of what's going to happen to that grief over time. And, you know, unfortunately I've known people who've lost loved ones and it's such a trauma, it's such a disaster, such a nightmare. And what happens to that over the years? And she sort of gives two possibilities. You know, this is her analytic eyes. This is her studying these experiences, asking what happens. And she gives us options, you know, perhaps that the thousands of years, the years that pile on, there's balm. There's a, there's a certain sucker, a certain comfort that comes with that. And the other option, that she offers is so dark. It's so dark and so subversive in only the way Emily Dickinson can be so dark and so subversive. She says, or would they go on aching still through centuries of nerve enlightened to a larger pain? 
in contrast with the love. What is she describing there? She's describing a kind of pain which is exacerbated by the love, which in the universe of Emily Dickinson's ideas and poetry is the love of God. She's describing a kind of pain which does not find comfort in God, that does not find comfort in religion. That the juxtaposition between what a person might believe or might hope to find in their relationship with God and the reality, the reality of the pain, the reality of a distant God who seems indifferent, exacerbates the pain. She says, enlightened to a larger pain in contrast with the love. The pain of the distant God is such a theme in Emily Dickinson's poetry. I've, I've read articles, I've, I've seen discussions about, you know, what exactly did Emily Dickinson believe? And I don't really know and, and I don't really care, you know, what would her, the exact precise nature of her theology, it's not so important to me. But the theme that comes up again and again is this, this distance of God, inaccessible God. Let's continue in this poem. The grieved are many, I am told. There is the various cause. Death is but one, and comes but once, and only nails the eyes. There's grief of want, and grief of cold, a sort they call despair. There's banishment from native eyes in sight of native air. And though I may not guess the kind correctly, yet to me, a piercing comfort it affords in passing Calvary. To note the fashions of the cross and how they're mostly worn, still fascinated to presume that some are like my own." End quote. And so that's the end of the poem. And so she ends with sort of a more optimistic note, this idea that she finds some comfort in this studying of the grief of others and in the grief of uh, Calvary and in the suffering of Jesus. But again, she ends the poem with that juxtaposition, with that space, with that interaction between the personal grief and the external grief. And for me, that's what this poem is about. Emily Dickinson lived through and wrote poetry during the American Civil War. The Civil War was not so long ago, and it was a catastrophe of unassimilable proportions. The statistic that jumps out at me is that 2% of Americans died during the American Civil War. That would be millions of Americans in today's population of America. Uh, at the time, it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Americans. The Civil War, the brutality, the futility, the attrition of that war presaged World War I and the total attrition of that warfare. And it came as a shock, as a trauma to the nation. We get the sense from Emily Dickinson's poetry that she's writing from this context, she's writing from this nation suffused with death, surrounded by death. Death is everywhere 
she's she's obsessed with it the experience of dying she has multiple poems where she the poet is describing the moments of death uh, some some famous examples quote a coffin is a small domain yet able to contain a citizen of paradise in its diminished plane a grave is a restricted breath yet ampler than the sun and all the seas he populates and lands he looks upon. So those are the first two stanzas of a famous Emily Dickinson poem about death. And of course, they're another example of the way Emily Dickinson loves to play with size, the infinite and the finite, the small domain of the coffin. And uh, the fact that the, the, the coffin contains something infinite, which is someone who is relieved, freed from finitude, freed from mortality from physicality but the last stanza in this poem is a major plot twist and i think it's a big insight into where emily dickinson is coming from in this poetry it changes everything this last stanza which i haven't read yet which i'm about to read recontextualizes those first two stanzas quote to him who on its small repose bestows a single friend circumference without relief or estimate or end end quote that's the end of the poem the end of the poem says that everything i've been talking about this paradox this, this juxtaposition between the small coffin and the infinite incorporeal immutable aspect of death is applied to him who on its small repose bestows a single friend. She's watching a funeral. You get the sense that in America, during this time period, there were a lot of funerals. And Emily Dickinson, probably from a distance, watched these funerals. And she's writing about funerals that she's seeing, maybe from her window. Death is on the rampage. There's no household which is unaffected. Everyone in America is burying their dead. There's one poem which is really one of the most emotive Emily Dickinson poems, one of the most personal and honest poems, you might say, um, that she's ever written, where she describes her own loss. Very short poem, as, as many so many of her poems are. Quote, I never lost as much but twice, and that was in the sod. Twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. Angels twice descending reimbursed my store. Burglar, banker, father, I am poor once more. End quote. Emily Dickinson is describing two deaths that she had in her own life, two friends, two, I don't know if they were friends or family members who, who died and that trauma, that experience, she calls it, twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. And this is the quintessential Emily Dickinson God, this, this God who is very unfeeling in Emily Dickinson's poetry, very distant, not much comfort is found in Emily Dickinson's God. And the, in the final stanza, we get, again, the this, this subversiveness. Emily Dickinson is so audacious and so subversive. She says, 
She calls him burglar banker father. When you have such a national trauma, and not only that, but it's in some wars, you can take comfort in racism. You know, if you're fighting someone who looks very different than you, or if you're fighting a political ideology, which you can label as being evil. You know, wars, wars could be easier. But in America, it's it, civil war, it was brother against brother. The people looked the same, they shared the same country, and they shared the same religion. They were, they were Christians on both sides. And each side, equally, vehemently, with equal conviction, argued that their side was the just side. And I think there's no way to come out of that experience as an individual or as a nation without some disillusionment. What, what, what is this God? What is that, that both sides could be so equally convinced in their righteousness, the righteousness of their cause? And the consequence of that is such total devastation, total unimaginable suffering and death. And I think that's a big part of what comes across in Emily Dickinson's poetry. I want to end with just one more poem, another one of my favorite Emily Dickinson poems. And I think it just sort of is another example, of which, of which there are many, of short poems that tie together so many of these themes. It's this forensic analysis of inner experience. It's this trying to bottle and describe, capture an experience with precision, with meticulous precision, with penetrating insight. I think we're going to get that in this poem, which I'm about to read. And also, the way in which God in Emily Dickinson's poetry is often a source of pain. And of course, uh, the theme of death. And I think all these sort of come together uh, in this really beautiful poem. Quote, there's a certain slant of light on winter afternoons that oppresses like the weight of cathedral tunes. Heavenly hurt it gives us. We can find no scar, but internal difference where the meanings are. None may teach it anything. Tis the seal, despair, an imperial affliction sent us of the air. When it comes, the landscape listens. Shadows hold their breath. When it goes, tis like the distance on the look of death. Thank you for watching.